Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and you're listening to Pod Slamajama presented by Clutch City Control Room. On this episode, we will talk about the newest NFL kooks following the 2022 NFL draft. We'll talk a little bit of the Big 12 meetings that the Houston University of Houston has been invited and is, is a part of, and we'll end it on a debate, which is more likely in the 2022-23 season, the men's basketball team reaching the national championship game or the football team making it to a New Year's Six Bowl coming right up on Pod Slamajama. across midfield. Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10 and for the fifth time in his career will not be stopped. Here's Grimes in a pull-up three. Oh, Grimes, dead-eye shooter. Blair to Patterson in the corner for three. To midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. Another week, another episode. I'm joined by Dayon Dunlap. Dayon, introduce yourself, sir. How you doing? Hey, man. You just gave me a good introduction. Dayon Dunlap is my name. Been covering Houston Cougars for a while now. I'm excited for another fire episode. And we'll get right into it. Like I mentioned, the 2022 NFL Draft now in the rearview mirror. As I mean, we're already in May. We're getting close to we're just about three months away, not only from uh, NFL training camp starting, but also obviously also, of course, uh, the University of Houston football team might start ramping things up. So a little bit in the in the down period when it comes to the, to the football and men's basketball I mean basketball in general sporting world. Um, but obviously, of course, the NFL draft is always one of the highlights of the spring across the American sports landscape. And when you look at the University of Houston specifically, oof, they just missed out on having back to back first round picks. Yeah. Uh, obviously, obviously, of course, last year, the New Orleans Saints took Payne Turner uh, in the first round this year, just missing it out by one pick. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers one took pick. Logan Hall with the number 33 overall pick the first a selection in the second round of this year's draft. So he is going to Tampa Bay, and uh, he will also be joining a former Houston Cougar football player in Grant Stewart, who obviously, of course, back in the 2021 draft, he was a final pick of that year's draft, and, and he made a big impact for the Buccaneers on special teams. And like, he even got his own commercials about it uh, in terms yeah, of being a Mr. Cool. Irrelevant for, for the uh, – that's what they dub uh, the final pick in the in the NFL draft each year. Uh, but Logan Hall, not alone for NFL draft selections for Houston. Obviously, of course, Marcus Jones, who, I mean, we've talked to him throughout and during this podcast, um, especially the, the 2021 season that he had, the impact. He did literally everything, a little bit of everything for Houston everything. from Offense, defense, special teams. Obviously, we we know of the the big return he had against SMU at the time. That was the biggest win that, that certainly the football team had had in the last couple of seasons. Um, walking it off, pretty much uh, leaving SMU very little time in that game. He went number eighty five overall. And interesting with him, he went to the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when you talk about Marcus Jones and and his defense, you got to talk about his his partner in crime, and that was in the defensive backfield, Demarion Pepe Williams. He got taken uh, number 141 overall, so first fourth-round pick with the Baltimore 
Ravens. So big congratulations to those three and, and having their NFL dreams realized because that's 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 the ultimate goal right there to get your name called uh, during the draft selection process. And and those three individuals did hear that quickly when 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 you look at those three names, Dayon, first. Um, any any surprises of where they were picked and, and what can you see from them uh, at this next level? Um, any one of these players? Well, also, i got to give a huge shout-out to Doug Belk, who is doing an outstanding mm-hmm. job helping develop these young men, putting them in a position for them to show their versatility and show their talents and be able to display that to get help get them to the next level. But looking at um the three players, uh, um, I think Logan Hall just with need. I think um, and Dominican Sue is a free agent and they still have Vita Vea. And so uh, I think with need, he can step in and potentially probably have the biggest role um, just from on the defensive perspective. Of course, I think Marcus Jones from day one will be um, their number one kick returner and punt returner, in which I think he will be one of the best in the NFL. Um, although, um, just Logan Hall, I think w- with the need and with Tampa Bay needs, with where they are with the roster that they're still filling in, I think they're going to be dependent on him to come in and, ha- and have an instant impact. And he's just keeping up um, the tradition from the good defensive linemen, from Tyus Bauer to Ed Oliver to Peyton Turner and now Logan Hall. So it's continuing to see Houston Cougars defensive linemen go to the next level. I think he's going to be one that's going gonna, gonna to have a huge impact as a rookie, what about you? No, uh, you mentioned Tyus Bowser, and and obviously, of course, with, with Demarion Williams got selected by the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. Uh, that's certainly going to be an interesting spot to see how he fits there. And when you look at the Ravens, they always have their defense as one of their key identities. Obviously, of course, now it's been a little different with with their offense, and they've kind of leaned in with Lamar Jackson. But I think that's an interesting spot for him. I think the mo- the player I'm most excited for this draft has got to be Marcus Jones, uh, yeah. not just because of the versatility and and really. That's the explosiveness that he's shown at the collegiate level, and like I said, what he showed for Houston this past season. But yep. I think just the Patriots in it of itself is an interesting landing spot because, mm-hmm. obviously, of course, he's going to to arguably the best coach of all time, and when it comes to the NFL and Bill Belichick, uh, that coaching staff, you'd imagine they they always seem to figure out a way to to have those type of players. And Marcus Jones fits in where he can do a little bit of everything. He can be versatile, and he can. Uh, they'll find a good spot for him. Now, obviously, of course, he's he's dealing with the injuries that kind of sidelined him um, over the summer with the surgeries, and he wasn't able to participate in the U of H Pro Day. Clearly, that wasn't much of a detractor because he still went uh, third in the third round, and that, that was an interesting selection. But I just feel like the Patriots and that coaching staff will find a role for him. Like you said, I think he's going to – he has – I see what you said about Logan Hall and him uh, filling the need that the Buccaneers have, but I think just in terms of impact potential of of being able to make plays, I think Jones might be put in be put in a position where he can do that. Obviously, of course, in special teams, but you know, there's going to be some package out there that the Patriots roll out for him where he can end up having a lot of highlight plays. So I'm certainly interested and excited to see what he can do not only at the next level but for the Patriots specifically. Yeah, me too. And you think about players like Troy Brown for the Patriots, who played some wide receiver, he played some cornerback, he played some special teams, did a little bit of everything. Another player who they picked up undrafted, former Cougar, is De'Ara King. 
last college quarterback they selected was Julian Edelman. And I think De'Ari King is going to be playing some slot receiver. And I think he's another sneaky player at that Patriots organization. Like you said, with versatility, they they will find a way to make a play. So I definitely agree with you with Marcus Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in, in some offense, but I think I think they definitely will because there's a need for the Patriots as well. J.C. Jackson, their number one corner, is gone. He's now yeah. with the Chargers, and so uh, with the Marcus Jones, his talent, his versatility, to be able to go in the slot and also out wide, along with it, we know what he brings on the special teams. I'm excited to see him well, and also Pepe Williams. All of their cornerbacks, Baltimore Ravens last year, most of them were hurt. So they have some coming back. They also drafted a safety in the first round. And that's why I gave a shout out to Doug Belt because he allowed Pepe to play some safety, play some slot corner, play some outside corner. So really get a lot of film on him to really display his versatility. And so I think he as well would be put in a position to potentially make some plays. So I think all three players went to a great spot for, and will um, – have opportunity to display their talents. For sure. Now, uh, draft selection is not the only uh, chance to make it into the NFL stage to the uh, top of those three players that were drafted uh, over the weekend. They also had four players signed with teams as undrafted free agents. Uh, tight end Seth Green signed a deal with the Houston Texans, so he gets to stay home and, and try to fight for a spot uh, with the home team. Center Cody Russi, who Dana Hogerson, even during uh, the spring availabilities this year, he's raved about how big of an impact he had, not only on the field and what he was able to provide Houston on the offensive line and really kind of provide a, a established uh, fill in the road as the established role as the established veteran, but also uh, be a big mentor to, to the players that were already there. And he credits that for some of these players that are upcoming, taking a big step. He signed a deal with the New England Patriots. David Aneni, another player that was a big part of Doug Belk's defense this past season, he signed with the Tennessee Titans. And wide receiver Jake Herslow, who we saw him come up big not only throughout the season, but even yeah. the whole game going back to that game against Auburn. He also signed an undrafted free agent deal with the Seattle Seahawks. So just specifically those four players, uh, what they were able to to accomplish for Houston this past season. And now that they have the opportunity, obviously, um, a little bit, uh, they weren't able to get their names called. But at the end of the day, they're still getting that opportunity. And that, that's all you asked for. Um, when you look at those four names, which one, kind of a similar question, which one do you think can make the biggest impact in this, the teams that they have signed with? I think David Anini. I, I really do. I think he fell to a good spot. You, you look at Tennessee, um, their person who let them with sacks is Harold Landry, the third. And also they had Bud Dupree, who came over from Pittsburgh. But those were kind of their two bookend rushers. But I think he fits the mold with those, uh, like those two players, uh, athletic, defensive end who could bend the edge and rush to the pass. So I think in some some third and long, some spot rushing situations, they can get him in the game and allow him to get to the quarterback. But also Jake Herslow, I, I really – the way that Seattle drafts and from what I've seen to him, I think he could be one of those undrafted players who I think was Welker went undrafted, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And um, he can be one of those players. He he's shifty. He can get open. And you look at their receivers. I mean, they got DK and Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett plays a lot in the slot. He's one of the most versatile. But I think Herslow can potentially make that team. I'm sure he's willing to play some special teams. But if he gets an opportunity, he's just so shifty, sure-handed. Remind me like a, a Tyler Winfro um, type of receiver. And I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I think he really, really can make a name for himself. 
Yeah, I think Seattle certainly that's an interesting spot. Um, I, I agree yeah. with you. I think Herzler what he showed for Houston. Um, I believe and and a big shout out to to James Mueller of the Daily Cougar. I believe he wrote a, an article about it uh, during a season where one of Jake Herzler's uh, goals was to come in and, and be one of those impact players where he can do a little bit of everything uh, for a team and he's going to get that opportunity. When you look at Seattle though, uh, losing Russell Wilson, I think that's that's. Uh, it might not necessarily be the best scenario. Yeah, it's going to be a tough um, scenario for him just in terms of whoever's throwing him the ball. As of now, it, it might be Drew Locke, which um, well, might not Gino. be the best scenario for, for exactly Geno Smith um, when it comes to uh, young receivers coming in there and trying to fill in the road. But I think Herzlow certainly has the, the intangibles to, even if yeah. it's not with Seattle, certainly make an impact with some team. Um, now, I think when you look at that list and uh, – Sorry, I think when you look at that list, I think I'm interested to see what Seth Green can do for the Texans. Um, and when you look at their tight end group, I mean, they drafted a tight end last year out of Miami. Yeah, correct. They have they have Brevin Jordan. They have Farrell yep. Brown. Um, I mean, they, they obviously they've like you mentioned they've have experience in the NFL. They have um, their role solidified, but they're not necessarily a couple of players where. I mean, if Seth Green could come in and, and make an impact, I could certainly see him potentially clinching a roster spot. And I think that would be interesting because at the end of the day, he has the opportunity to compete. Now, I don't expect him to come in there and, and work his way up to the starting rotation, but I think that team, it's a need that the Texans might need. So I think that's mm-hmm. what makes it interesting. Uh, but I agree with you where when you look at the players, David and Annie, that's certainly a interesting spot for Tennessee just in terms of what they've shown the past few years. And their defense kind of is, um, for the last couple of seasons, has been a weak spot for Tennessee. That's certainly an interesting space for him to, to be able to go out and carve a role. But I agree with you. And, and I think Herzl might be the most intriguing prospect because of his versatility and what he, he was able to show in Houston this past season. For sure. And another thing that um, why I picked Herzlow is because, like you mentioned, they lost Russell Wilson. And the immediate impact that I think they feel is they're on a deep passing game. With Herzlow's ability to get open quickly, and I'm sure they're going to be a run-first team and want to get the ball out of whether it's Drew Locke or Geno Smith's hands rather quickly. And Herzlow is one of those twitchy receivers who can get open quickly and, and get some of those short, tough yards. And also, uh, me, I'm sure he'll get a chance to do some – special teams, punt return, kick return, things like that, in which he did for Houston. But I agree with you for Seth Green as well. I'm keeping my eyes on him because Coach Hogerson often just raved about his his character, his leadership. And so if he has those intangibles to come in and kind of galvanize and show that he can be a leader and be a man amongst men in the NFL and do those things because he didn't catch many passes, but he showed his willingness to block, his willingness to do all those things that tight ends are going to be asked to do at the next level. And so I definitely think that he can come in, make the team, play some special teams, potentially um, make the roster and make some plays in the tight end because they it's a young position group that they have. For sure. And when you look at the bigger picture, obviously, of course, Houston had three players uh, selected in the this past year's NFL draft. You look at the new Big 12, obviously, that that's kind of the, the talk of the uh, town for Houston the past uh, really getting close to the past calendar year. Uh, the new Big 12, so that includes Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and, of course, BYU. They had 14 NFL draft picks selected. Uh, you look at the two teams outgoing in Oklahoma and Texas. They had a combined seven. Oklahoma.
Oklahoma at the seven. So that is what we call a segue because coming right up on Pod Slime and Jamma, we'll be talking about the Big 12 and the meetings they're currently holding in Scottsdale, Arizona, which Houston has a seat in the table as they look forward to their incoming move over to the Big 12. You're listening to Pod Slime and Jamma, presented by Cliff City Control Room. Don't go anywhere. Continuing on here on Pod Slam Majama, Dayon, Dunlap, and Indian is here with another fire episode. And we're transitioning, still talking football, but we're talking a transition from the American to the Big 12. Like Andy just mentioned, the Big 12 meetings going on in Arizona and Houston is a part of there. And so I, I'm very excited about the news. What are you most looking forward to from the transition? We talk about the meeting, they're talking about mm-hmm. scheduling as part of the big, and we know that um, potentially Texas and Oklahoma is still going to be there. And so, what are you looking forward to as they continue the negotiation talks? You know, I think right there, you hit it right on the head. That that's got to be the number one thing that not only. I'm excited for, but anyone that's associated with the Houston program has got to be excited for, and that's the opportunity to join the Big 12. We've mentioned it throughout that Houston is aiming to to join it by um, the 2023-24 season, so this would be their last year in the American if all goes as planned, and that would mean if, if it were to happen that Texas and OU would still be in the conference when Houston joins. That's got to be the number one thing that you're excited for, especially when you look at Houston. Um, they haven't been able to play Texas sheesh, in years in terms of, obviously, of course, in football, but even in, in other aspects of it, that's got to be the number one thing that, that anyone associated with the University of Houston has got to be excited for because it's Texas. That's that that's one of the top schools with, with A&M in, in, when it comes to state, when it comes to branding, really. Um, I know a lot of, uh, when you look at the University of Houston and, and people that are associated that go there, or that graduate from the University of Houston, they kind of adopt a little bit of, of a blue-collar mentality where, especially back then, U of H wasn't necessarily uh, one of the schools you think of in terms of certainly not a state school where, oh, I'm going to go there and, uh, you know, that that's going to be able to set you up in terms of just brand recognition and certainly has made that transition over the years when you think of ut that's 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 one of the schools in in texas exactly you you think of ut not only and when it comes to sports and athletics but just overall as a brand and that's 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 right there that's the number one thing because especially if you can play them on on a football game if they have to come to houston um especially if they can get them at tdcu no offense to nrg stadium but i think if you can get them on campus that would be an incredible opportunity if it's for one season, if it's for two seasons, you can't pass that off because that, that I know we've mentioned it, um, maybe not necessarily on part-time pajama, but in, in other shows um, that especially since the, the peak years of 2014, 2015, when Houston was in the, the peach bowl, they beat FSU since then they've kind of tailed off when it comes to football attendance. Let me tell you, that's going to be a uh, instant boost to attendance numbers if that were to happen. And that's got to be the yeah. number one thing I'm excited for. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I can echo everything you said, the potential matchup between Texas and, and Houston and really just being in the conference as a whole. I think it, I think it's overdue and I think it's only going to boost Houston's recognition, likability, um, profitable, everything even more in every aspect, like you just said. And so, I think, um, and let's get this straight for just for the fans who may be confused. The 2023-2024 calendar season would be not this season coming up here in 2022. And in August, it would be the following season after that, correct? Yeah, correct. So okay, uh, with, the, 
Yeah, so I know there, there's a couple of speculations because right now um, it had been reported, I believe it was The Athletic that first reported it uh, about a month or two ago where um, the American Athletic Conference, obviously, of course, Houston announced, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF announced that they were planning to join the Big 12 last summer. Now, the American Athletic Conference has a policy where any schools that they wish to exit need to give uh, a significant notice. Um, and I can't remember exactly what the month period is. Uh, granted, uh, the, the the main part is that, that Houston and, and those schools had already passed the deadline to be able to join um, the 2023-24 season without it being considered an early exit. And because of that, um, they have to reach an agreement with the American Athletic Conference uh, for an early exit, which will um, most likely include a buyout um, type of agreement. So the initial report was that the American Athletic Conference asked for $45 million from each school. It would have been, mm-hmm. of course, to exit the conference. It's $10 million, um, had they done it with, with enough of a notice because it is being done um, with less of the time we know that was originally agreed on upon then then the American Athletic Conference and all schools are trying to reach a buyout agreement. The American asked for 35 million on top of the 10 million exit fee, which totaled the 45 million. Now there are reports that that number has significantly gone down. Uh, I know Houston, the Houston Chronicle reported uh, earlier this week that um, a source with knowledge of, of, of the negotiations say that, that that initial request has come down significantly. Um, on Tuesday, Action Network reported that the negotiation settlement has gone down somewhere to the 17 to $20 million range now. Granted, I'm not, it's not clear if it's 17 somewhere in that 17 to $20 million range that would be the total, which in my opinion, regardless if that's the total, that's that's a win. Because when UConn left the conference uh, a couple of seasons ago, they had to pay $17 million. Uh, to leave, and that was obviously, of course, a ten million exit fee, and they packaged the seven million in a buyout agreement. Now, obviously, of course, when you think of UConn, you know them for their men's basketball. They're actually their two basketball programs because, of course, the women's basketball program has their dynasty and what they've been able to accomplish. You don't think of them as a football school um, whatsoever. But um, when you look at Houston, you look at Cincinnati, you look at UCF. There's certainly much more of the well-rounded schools. I mean, think of Cincinnati that just got through playing a season in which they made the uh, college football playoff and played Alabama in the semifinals. Obviously, of course, Houston's had success in both uh, sports, um, and, and especially when you look at football going back to 2015 with the Peach Bowl and, and those New Year's Six Bowls. And obviously, yeah. obviously, of course, the men's basketball team making the final four year ago, the Elite Eight this season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of negotiation they do reach it because you'd imagine that the American Athletic Conference is seeking uh, much more than than the 17 million total that they package with UConn just because of the value that these three schools right. uh, provide to the conference, not only in basketball, but obviously, of course, football, which, um, as we all know, in college sports, that's that's kind of the, the money the, Exactly. Um, so that'll certainly be interesting now uh, among yeah. some other things. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I would just still want to piggyback off you said and what caught my attention was the word value because you look at the value specifically between Cincinnati and Houston. Cincinnati nine players drafted, Houston three players drafted, Texas zero players drafted, but their value is still high. And mm-hmm. I and automatically made me like to a point we were talking a second ago about Houston potentially playing Texas. Look at recruiting. Texas is still doing really well in recruiting. But just think of a boost if Houston can play Texas, beat Texas. 
Texas and just how much that would help them in recruiting yeah. and, and increasing the value from the program even more. So a lot of different factors, like like you just mentioned, that's what caught in my mind. I just want to get that in. No. Yeah, for sure. And and it's not uh, it's not a coincidence that these two universities haven't met, um, especially in football and, and forever. And that's a big reason why the University of Houston hasn't been allowed to join the Big 12. Yeah. Um, I know they, they put together um, they've tried to get into Power 5 conference for the longest since really, honestly, since the Southwest Conference uh, going back a, a few decades um, since that disbanded and, and the original Big 12 form. Um, and certainly Houston has been on a path to, to get back into one of those power five conferences. Now that UT is leaving, uh, I don't think it's coincidence that now Houston is joining. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, of course, the big 12 meetings, um, that are going on once again, like I said, in Scottsdale, Arizona, Houston and Cincinnati, UCF, even BYU are part of the contingent in those meetings. Now, when you look at the Houston perspective, they brought along, obviously, of course, athletic director Chris Pesman. They have uh, the football coach Dana Holgerson and Ron Huey, the women's basketball head coach, is a part of those conversations. Calvin Sampson did not go because, according to the Houston Chronicle, of a scheduling conflict. But obviously, of course, they're debating much more than just um, logistics. And, and it's interesting to see them get a seat to the table. Now, one of the other things that was expected to be a hot topic in these meetings was scheduling in terms of, it, like we mentioned, if Texas and OU are still in the conference when uh, BYU, Houston, Cincy, and UCF join the Big 12, uh, that would be 14 universities part of the conference. And uh, if that's the case, it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing uh, with scheduling because obviously, of course, with the NCAA, there's the rule of in order to be able to have a, a championship a game, you need to do so um, with divisions, which obviously, of course, with a 14-team league, that'd be an interesting split. And when you talk about divisions, obviously, of course, um, that could end up hurting a conference, if they, especially the Big 12, when they're trying to get someone into the college football playoff. Now, the reason that's not going to be a one of the hot topics that was going to be discussed among the Big 12 meetings is because um, usually in order for a football conference to not need divisions, they need to get a temporary um, agreement, a waiver, essentially, from the NCAA to be able to do that. Which currently, uh, Houston and the American Athletic Conference, mm -hmm. they have one of those waivers, so the American Athletic Conference does not have divisions in football since UConn left. Um, so um, that would have been something that would have been discussed now in terms of why that's not going to be potentially needed. The NCAA is proposing to waive that this, um, that rule that would essentially not require FBS conferences to need divisions in order to hold the league title game. That's according to, to CBS Sports. So when you, you talk about divisions, are you in support of them? Are you against them? What say you? Um. I would. I can't say I'm not in support of them because the SEC has divisions, and I like the way it's set up. But at the same time, I like how the Big Twelve doesn't, and every team plays each other, so they get a chance. To, you get to see who's the best team because they all match up with 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 one another. So if I had to pick, I would say I'm not. I'm less of a fan of the divisions because I would rather every team play each other and then get your conference championships based off the team's record who have played each other. And so I'm more of a fan of that. And I think I think that just bodes whether you get a better chance to seeing of who's really who. I, I think for the SEC, the teams in each division play each other. But, for example, like 
in um, the Big 12, like I just mentioned, like OU will play at Texas and, of course, Oklahoma State and all these teams every single season, and, and that gives you a better idea of who is the better team because they have that head-to-head matchup. So I would definitely say um, I like the divisions, but I, I'm a bigger fan of the non-division because I, I want to see each team play um, head-to-head matchup. For sure. And of course, the Big 12 right now, they're they're in a position where uh, they only have 10 teams so that they can um, obviously, of course, play each other once um, once a year throughout it. Um, once these four teams join, they would expand to 14. So it makes it a, a little bit more complicated. Uh, but even when you look at the, the SEC and, and, and their championship game this year, they had the opportunity to have it be um, obviously, of course, the, the two head to heads with Alabama and Georgia in the title game. And I mean, that's not always going to necessarily be the case. I mean, once again, going back to the American athletic conference, because they don't have divisions, Houston and Cincinnati were able to meet in that championship game. Um, Had there been divisions that might not have been the case. So I agree with you. I think in, in perfect, in a perfect world, um, really divisions aren't necessarily needed, especially at the end of the day, what fans want, what, university administration personnel want they want to play the best team the two best teams should always meet in the championship championship game so you can have uh that true number one um, you know undisputed champion at the end of the season when it comes to conference titles uh but that's just us now on that note we will digress because we will talk a little bit uh we're gonna end this show on a debate something that we don't necessarily do more often but this was posed by one of our uh followers on Twitter, and we will discuss whether, which is more likely, the University of Houston men's basketball team making it to the national championship game or the football team making it to a New Year's Six Bowl coming right up on Pod Jamma covering your UH Athletics. Coming back here on Pod Jamma. And here, we're about to have a huge debate, like Andy just said. We really don't do it much often, but we had a great question from my mailbag on Twitter. So those of you who aren't following our Twitter page, be sure you do so. It's at PodSlamajama. But the question is, what do you think will will most likely happen during the 2022-23 season? Houston football reaches a New York Six Bowl or the UH men's basketball team reaching a national championship game and as you just see it on your screen there, that's a great question. Um, thank you for the question. Andy, I'm, I'm going to let you have the pleasure of answering first. Perfect. And like you said, obviously, of course, shout out to at Sands underscore 11 J at seven Sands underscore 11 junior on Twitter. Um, it is a tough question because when I first read it, I was stumped. Now, I think when you look at the two teams that are in an interesting spot where they're both coming off, uh, obviously, highly successful seasons. I think um, when you look at the men's basketball team, we've talked about it throughout what they're bringing to the table in terms of the new additions with uh, Jairus Walker, who's going to be the highest recruit that Houston's had in, in years. Obviously, of course, they're also adding Terrence Arsenal. They're expected to add uh, a few more transfer. Uh, well, they haven't added transfers yet, but they're expected to add one or possibly multiple transfers in the transfer portal. Obviously, of course, the big question is Marcus Sasser. Does he come back? And let's, for the sake of this debate, say he does come back. The Marcus Sasser yeah. returns. Okay, cool, cool. And I, I will say that the football team 
is more likely to win a New Year's Six Bowl. And I'll say this. I'll put this caveat. It has nothing to do with the men's basketball team. I'll just say just because March Madness is so unpredictable. I'm going to take – I'm going to cave out. March Madness is so unpredictable. Um, We saw Houston. They were able to get back to the Elite Eight uh, this past season after – we know the story. They lost Jermon Mark. They lost Marcus Sasser. But look at the team they had to beat. They had to beat Arizona who is the number one seed to get to the Elite Eight. So at the end of the day, it, it, it's any given day. That's the cliche, obviously, of course, on, on when it comes to the NFL, any, any, any given Sunday. But at the end of the day, all it takes is one bad shooting night. Look at how Houston shot against Villanova. I mean, their defense was phenomenal. They were able to host uh, Villanova to a uh, dreadful shooting percentage. Houston actually shot greater uh, field goal percentage than Villanova, and they still ended up losing just because the three-point shot was not there at all. Um they really struggled offensively. Now, on the flip side, you look at the football team. Uh, Granite, um, they're not necessarily uh, – I don't expect them to be anywhere near the level that Cincinnati was this past year where they got to the college football playoff. But you look at Cincinnati. They're, really? Now, that's going to be another debate because I, I, I would be really surprised if Houston gets into – I could see them getting into the top 10 of the college football playoff rankings. I don't see them getting into the top five. Um, certainly not top four, but when, when you look at Cincinnati, who was uh, obviously, of course, they made it to the college football playoff. Um, they basically um, lost Desmond Ritter. They lost, obviously, of course, when you look at uh, their defense with Sauce Gardner and, and what he does in secondary, uh, exactly, Kobe Bryant. Uh, a lot of um, skill losses. And um, when you look at that, so Cincinnati will fall off. Um, honestly, when you look at and I, the group of five and some of these other programs that are still there, I think Houston rises above the rest, um, certainly in the preseason before. Um, and again, this is an argument in May. So at the end of the day, once September rolls around, there could be one team that gets on the roll and catches fire and they end up being the, the best group of five school, um, which at the end of the day, that's that's all it takes to be make it to one of these New Year's Six Bowls. You got to be uh, the top team and the group of five, um, the top group of five champion. Um, but even then, when you look at the football team and their schedule, who they're going to play uh, in conference, and heck, even who they're going to play in non-conference, it's not necessarily uh, the, the most tough schedule. Um, yeah, it's a little bit tougher than it was this season because obviously, of course, they have to play UTSA who obviously they, they put together one of their strongest programs, um, seasons in, pro, in the program history. They play Texas Tech in Lubbock. That's going to be tough, but then you got Kansas, you got Rice, and when you look at their conference schedule, once again, they're not going to have to play Cincinnati. They're not going to have to play UCF, um, and, and when you look at the school, I think Houston, the football team, they're much more poised to have at least I feel, and this could be completely illusion, but I feel like they have much more control over their destiny where um, with the men's basketball team, yes, even though I'd say if you compare them in terms of, and this is such tough, uh, tough way to phrase it, but when you look at Tana, I think Houston, where they're at the spot, you look at the consensus, consensus they're all in the preseason rankings, they're ranked in the top 10, but I just think that the March Madness is too unpredictable, man. So I'd have to go with the football team. See, it's funny because we, we didn't actually discuss this beforehand. So this is like a, a, a raw take. And yeah. I was going to pick the football teams for a lot of reasons that you mentioned, as well as the scheduling. You look at the talent that they bring back with Clayton Toon, Tank Dell. You look at their running backs, the, just, just the continuity that they have and really the scheduling. Uh, um, yeah. Just to kind of help your argument before I rip it apart. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think as well as not only well, 
um, scheduling, but you just look at the next step. I think Clayton Toon can play better. Um, he can continue to progress. Uh, and the defense, I think the defense could even be better, even though they lost um, both of their corners and Demarion Williams and uh, Marcus Jones. But at the same time, I gotta go. I, I'll go with the basketball. Just to counter your argument, not only do they have Coach Sampson, but like you just said, Marcus Sasser comes back. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say there's no way he he doesn't make a shot. And as far as like Houston, how they went out against Villanova, the defense is going to be there. They're going to be um, more athletic, I think. I think they'll play more of a, a faster tempo. And and with a closer like Marcus Sasser, who um, has been at the biggest stage, he's been in the Final Four, which he had his best game against mm -hmm. Davian Mitchell, who was a lottery pick and his known for his defense. He was able to give him buckets in that, first, in that half against Baylor. And so – all factors considered, Tremont Mark back. Uh, I'm trusting Coach Simpson, and although I think they were slighted in their seating last year, I think the um, the, the committee will take all of that in consideration. They'll have a higher seed, being I'm expecting them to win conference and have a successful non-conference schedule, and, and be up there until that point. And so, I, I like the leadership. I like the players that have coming back along with being coming in. And I trust in Jamal Shedd. I, I, I feel like he's going to prove that he's going to probably be the best point guard or top three, top five best point guards in the nation next season. I think he's going to improve his jump shot in which that's probably the most inconsistent thing, a part of his game right now. He, he shows that he can make it. He shot it at a good clip. Um, but I just think his ability to knock it down even more and create and hit that jump shot off the dribble can substantially take this team to another level, along with the scores he will have on side of him, the Jermon Marks and Marcus Sassers, the Jarris Walker, the players like J1 Roberts. And um, who knows what transfers? We don't even know what transfers is going to come in while we're recording this. And so all of those factors, along with Coach Sampson and the level of expectation, they expect to be there. It won't be surprised that when they get into the tournament that they advance and they advance and advance. It's going to be expected. So I think the moment won't be too big. And with the football team, people and question marks will be like when they get in those big games, will it be too big? They played against Cincinnati and Coach Hoverson said himself, now we see what it takes like to win at that level. They recruited well. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of good talent coming in. But it's still uncertain to say when they get to that level, can they take care of business? I think they can. I, I love the additions of like they still have De'Anthony Jones coming back, who I think was their best pass rusher last season. You still got Donovan Mutant. You got a plethora of talent along with Doug Belk, the best associate head coach, defensive coordinator, I think, out there. And so, but if I had to pick one of the two and answer the question, I'm going to go with the basketball team for sure. I can see it now. Oh, the th the thing that's so tough now. I agree with you. I think you make an excellent point, especially with with what Marcus Sasser has shown. Um, if he were to come back and he is in this position, we saw. Um, I mean, he said it right after the Final Four game. Uh, it wasn't him. It was Calvin Sampson that said, "We'll be back." And mm -hmm. lo and behold, a year later, he says a similar thing after they lose to Villanova in the Elite Eight. You know, we'll be back. We'll we'll retool. We'll get stronger and they'll, and they'll come back now like you mentioned it that now that we're recording there's still last time i checked there was over 1600 names in the in the transfer <laughs> the portal. portal so 
Um, you'd imagine, yeah, for all you know, they could end up getting a, a big transfer in the coming days, in the coming weeks that, that ends up uh, making it a lot more in their favor already, which, I mean, this Houston's a little bit in uncharted territory in terms of how favored they are because, like I said, a lot of these uh, preseason, these way too early rankings, they have them in the top 10. Um, and some of them, most of them, a good portion of them have them in the top five, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is honestly, like I said, uncharted territory for this program. Now, I say that it, it just takes one game. It just takes one night. And it, it, it might not even, it might not even be something. It might not even be something that Houston does. Like they can play a phenomenal game and maybe a referee can be exactly right. No, I agree. Or a couple players are catch are catch fire and they can't miss. I mean, anything. Exactly. There's just so many factors. And, and, but I think you bring up a great point because like you mentioned, even going back to this past uh, season with the football team, they made it to the championship game in the American. Obviously, of course they played Cincinnati. He was favored going into the game and they were playing at Cincinnati and they were playing for, for the college football playoff. You know, had they lost that game, they would have zero chance of making it to the CFP. Um, But they, they hung tough with Cincinnati that first half. And then the second half, they, they Cincinnati took control. And I think that's certainly a question mark that, that is still yet to be answered a little bit in terms of with Dana Hogerson being here. Now, we mentioned the SMU game. They did win that game. They took care of business. Dana Hogerson under um, under Dana Hogerson, the football team, has shown that they can take care of business and beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Now the question kind of transitions into can they – can they continue to do it now that they have expectations and can they beat those? Can they win those big games, which you brought up, which is uh, a valid point. And I could see um, that being a fair criticism, but I just think that it, Houston's in a much more spot. And like you mentioned, the recruits yeah. they've been able to land, the transfers they've been able to land, uh, Clayton Toon is going to be his final year. You know, um, he showed huge improvement from a year ago this past yeah, season. He's expected to make another big jump this season because uh, let's be, Frank, I mean, Clayton too, and this is going to be his final year. So he's playing to try to to make some money to be a professional once this season ends. That's what he's going to be playing for. So I could certainly see him. It'd be phenomenal. You can take another step. Um, but that's why I'm going with football uh, instead of the men's basketball team because everything is too too crazy. It it just takes one night. One like you said, it could literally be one bad car or foul trouble. Anything. There's too many variables and and that's why i think that it's the football team now i'll I'll let you give the final rebuttal before we we go to the fans and see what they had to say yeah i think there's still too many question marks around the the most important position um for the football team and that's quarterback i think we, we we both can admit he had substantial growth after that first game he played really well and he wasn't a liability but can he reach his ceiling can he sustain that through uh, next season and like you said with success comes expectation how will they handle that expectation specifically the quarterback I think he showed tremendous leadership because let's be honest people were calling for his job it was I don't know if he will face any more adversity as far as in his collegiate career that he faced last season in the way that he was able to play through it I think shows a lot about his character and what type of leader he is so I will give him credit for that but to get to the next level. I mean, you do see quarterbacks like Stetson Bennett, who is not that good in my opinion. I, I tweeted that. I've seen him. And so I would say Clay Toon is better than him. And so he can lead them to there. But the basketball team, there, there's really no questions. The only question is, is what would the team look like? We know 
with Coach Sampson. We know he's going to put his team in the best position to win. We know we trust everything about that program. Um, trust Jamal Shad. We trust Marcus Sasser. Hopefully he comes back as we're recording this. He's still undecided for he's keeping his name in the entire the draft. He has, I believe, till June 1st. Tremont Mark is going to be really anxious to prove that he um, is the player that everyone that know who he is in Houston, all the fans and everything is expected from him. So, and also Javier Francis, Coach Sampson said that he's the best shot blocker that he's had at Houston. I think they're going to be a substantial, substantially better defensive team next year. And that's crazy when you yeah, look at how good they were, how good they were. And I think they're going to be a really more athletic. I mean, Fabian was really good, but Jarence Rocker, as well as J1 Roberts. I think they're both more athletic than him. They don't have the experience that he does and bring everything that he brought. But just look at just per athleticism and defensively, I think this team, next year's team, will be even better. So I just think along with the defense and the culture, we'll just call it everything mm-hmm. culture, along with the offense that you're bringing back, I think that's enough to, to at least get you to a national championship game being um, – the being that the factors, like you said, are just there's so many different factors, but with Coach Sampson and everything that he's built, I, I, I would trust in Coach Sampson for sure. Yeah, so if I'm getting this right, you're leaning into what the university, the men's basketball team has already shown. They have that track record. Uh, you're confident. And, and to, to be fair, I mean, look at what they were able to overcome this past season. And they had a season like that and still get to the Elite Eight. Uh, I think it's a smart bet that, that you, you're betting on Kelvin Sampson and, and that program and what they're able to, to do more often than not. When we look at the fans poll, they agree with you, Dayon. They 71% of mm. of uh, our followers said that the, the men's basketball team is more likely to reach the national championship rather than the football team reaching uh, a New Year's Six Bowl um, 70-30 split. So and you have the, the popular opinion Fans get the tiebreaker, so we shall see now. And the good thing is these two programs are in a position where, you know, this isn't kind of a homer take. This is legit where, I mean, to be quite frank, I mean, it could end up being both of these programs uh, yeah, end up getting to, right. to to accomplishing both things, yeah. which is good for the program, especially, uh, like we said, um, their administration, they're aiming to make this year the final one in the American Athletic Conference. And that would be a certainly a, a one – hell of a way to, to end their time in the American Athletic Conference and go into the Big 12 with with that momentum. Now, before we wrap things up, obviously, of course, we want to give another shout-out to Erica Sidney, who, um, not on the last episode, the episode before that, um, she announced that she was going to be going to Australia overseas to play in her first uh, professional contract. She signed her pro- first professional contract. Um, earlier this week, she announced that she has officially landed in Australia, so best of luck to her in her profession- professional endeavors. And also, um, huge shout-out to uh, Akib Ghazi, who also tweeted out via his Instagram that Kyler Edwards uh, was in Boston for a workout with the Celtics. So that's certainly interesting, obviously, of course, mm-hmm. right now. Uh, a lot of these seniors, a lot of these players that are putting their name in the NBA draft um, process, um, doing a lot of workouts, doing a lot of uh, different things as they approach uh, the final week of June, where, or the final weeks of June when the NBA draft takes place so that's certainly going to be something to keep an eye on and uh obviously of course the big name marcus sasser um when you look at some of these draft um prospects that rank the rankings of the prospects uh i haven't seen too many that has marcus sasser in the top 30 so that's interesting 
um, I wonder how much longer it'll take for him to make a decision because he did say um, once he declared that he was entering his name with the draft and keeping it, um, keeping his college eligibility, that he would only stay in the draft if he was a guaranteed first round pick. Um, and now, granted, they are uh, rankings um, that's not necessarily from the teams, um, but that that might be something to keep an eye on. Uh, Dan, I'll let you say the final word. Anything else you'd like to close it out with? Just want to add one more thing that we tweeted it out, but Vaughn Reed has been added to the women's basketball coaching staff. That's huge. Um, they had two players departed, but that's huge. Coming over from Syracuse where he was the interim head coach, um, had numerous experience, pro experience, college experience. So that's a great addition to the women's program. And we didn't really talk much about them during um, this podcast, but I really like what they're doing as far as retaining their core. They have 80% of their points, rebounds, and assists coming back. And so I'm watching, seeing the growth that they're continuing to put in. I think potentially I saw a tweet who someone said, that could they make it into the, a deep NCAA run, yeah. tournament run? And so I think all programs headed in the right direction track. Just want to pin relays, just kind of do an overall view of Houston Cougar sports. They're doing really well. And so, I mean, it's a good time to be a Cougar, man. Yeah, and on that note, I mean, uh, we had Ron Huey a couple of weeks ago, and he said that that's the main goal, to make it into the Big Den. So if you haven't checked out that episode, be sure to check it out in the archives. Uh, and as of now, be sure to follow the official at Pajama Twitter account. And if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube at Clutch City CR. For those of you listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for the time, and we'll see you next time. Uh, I'm Todd Slamajama covering your UH Athletics. As always, go Cougs.